0: Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Burnerport Online, the UCLA site on the 24 7
1: Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24 7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac 12 football. We're wrapping up spring ball. We got some early season television times. I know they have some exciting stuff, Dave, for late May, but we do got some football stuff to talk about, which is great. I love that. We love
0: football stuff here on this on this podcast about football stuff. We do love it.
1: <laughs> Not always football stuff. Um yeah, so we're gonna talk about all that and and some more. You got a bunch of questions, a lot of questions for a uh midweek podcast, but hey, that's uh it's great stuff. I'm glad you guys are still engaged and sending us Stuff. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments for us, the best way to get hold of us probably our email, pack12podcast at gmail.com. We look at it at least five minutes before we start our show each and every week. You can also call or text us uh 424-532-0678. Perk's been uh, pretty consistent leaving us voicemails. So anyone else want to jump in there with voicemail too. But panc- thanks Perk for sending those voicemails. You can also tweet us at Pac12 Podcast on the website podcast.com where you can find all the old episodes. Go over to the Reddit page, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions and chat with other POC fans. And if you got the Apple podcasting app on your device, on your iPhone, your iPad somewhere, please follow us, the podcast of champions. Please rate us five stars. That's what we love. And then say whatever you want about us and whatever you say, as long as it's five stars, we will read it.
0: That's exactly right. And I've got one for you right now. Nice. This is from B.A. Tool. Uh, Five stars. Subject line, it's fine. Body, sometimes good, but mostly fine. Love it. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect review. You want to know why it was a perfect review? Do you know why, Ryan? Because I know why. I think I know why. Because I had five stars.
1: Mm, I like it.
0: We've got a very low bar for a perfect review. You just got to hit that five star. The rest of it, I mean, it it could be written feces, and we would read it. All you got to do is those those those
1: five stars baby. We've had some versions of written feces before, but we've had some just, you know, brilliance out there, you know, like great expectations level pros that people would write in. About. But we're
0: very we're very socialized. These are all these are all perfect. It's a binary scale, ones and zeros. The ones, <laughs> those are the ones that are five stars. Those are perfect. Those are perfect reviews and then thankfully very few zeros out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm a little under the weather today, if you can tell in my voice. Uh, hopefully you're doing better, David.
0: I'm splendid. Never better. I will carry this show on my back as I do each and every week. Yes. Preparation time, the production afterwards, it's, it's all on these shoulders.
1: Oh, so I can leave the office after we're done. Nah, I, I, mean, I might be a little it.
0: bit busy afterwards, but, <laughs> you know, as with most weeks, uh, you know, much of the production, much of the production falls on my yes. shoulders.
1: Well, uh, we probably should start with the spring football games. They're all done now. Uh Stanford had their game on Saturday. And if you follow Yogi Roth on Twitter, he was tweeting about it a little bit. Seemed sort of vanilla. I think they ran forty six plays. Uh it was live on the Pac twelve network. It's the Cardinal and White Spring Game and uh, you know, Stanford site called it balance. That's what you want in a spring game. You don't want any excitement. You want some balance, you know, both sides, but Quarterbacks, Jack West, uh, Tanner McKee, Dylan Plouts, uh, Ari Patu, and they had some other guys out there too. So it looks like McKee had the best stats. Um, he only threw eight passes, six of eight for 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but nothing like terribly exciting, as you could tell. Uh, they have their opener uh, against Kansas State in Arlington, Texas. We'll talk about that in a little bit on September 4th. Uh, kickoff classic there. Um, but yeah, nothing too excited going on. You only got 46 plays in your spring game. I, I don't think it's uh, the, the hype train is going on, but uh, any thoughts from Stanford spring game, David? Uh, is it all right if I say no? Yeah, yeah. Is it a safe place say no. to say
0: no? Because I have no thoughts on 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 anything you just said, and I certainly didn't
1: watch that spring game. Yeah, it was uh, I mean, it was they got some sacks, but they're the no-touch variety, you know, because you got to protect right. the quarterback. So, so fake sacks. sacks not real sacks but it was only three like a lot of spring games we've seen have like a crap load of sacks um yeah it's just not not not, are you
0: coming around you sound you sound curiously unenthused about a spring game
1: are you finally Uh, coming to my way of thinking about this you know if you're gonna be like super secret about everything if you're gonna be utah and nobody can see anything or and, you know, Stanford, I don't think there was a lot of access. I mean, it's just like, okay, what, what do you want us to talk about? And you have like a pretty lame, balanced spring game. It's like, okay, there's not much there. But, you know, some of the places, like I'll talk about Arizona's, they had a lot of fun. You know, that was cool. Hey, yeah, gronk, no, if you make it a spectacle.
0: I'll talk about it excitedly. Gronk, it catching the pass. It doesn't, it doesn't like it's, it's practice. It's like talking excitedly about, I don't know, a month of practice. That's all it is. You can call it a spring game, but it's not a spring game. It's just their final practice. That's it.
1: So that was on Saturday. Pretty normal, right? Yes. Was Stanford going a little later? Fine. Um, Riddle me this. We're recording this on Thursday, May 27th. At 9 a.m., I got a call from a, a reporter we know that was talking to me on his way to UCLA, and I was like, why are you going to UCLA right now? It's like, oh, UCLA was having their spring game on a Thursday at 9 a.m. I don't know the rationale behind this. If you're trying to, like, help the Pac-12 network, would you rather have some content on the weekend or something uh, rather than Thursday at 9 a.m.? I don't know, but it was live on Pac-12 network. I'm going to leave this one up to you since you cover the Bruins. Yeah, so it wasn't
0: actually a spring game. Uh, I think that was the branding the Pac-12 network used, but it was literally just another practice, um, like very literally. Uh, they just did like their usual periods and everything. And I think the, the network broadcast, I think, was mostly interviews. Like they were just trying to fill time throughout the whole thing. So um, from like a spectacle standpoint, it even it didn't even hit the bar of Stanford. Right. Like it was it was not even a game, Um, certainly not something you would like, you know, oh, there were 46 snaps or whatever. It was, you know, their usual practice. Uh, That said, um, there were a lot of guys held out for this practice that if uh, Chip Kelly said afterwards, uh, you know, if there had been an actual game today, like 90 percent of the guys who were held out probably would have played. Um, But like guys like Britton Brown weren't there. Most of the starting receiving core weren't playing. Um, so it was, I mean, even in as much as spring games or final practices of spring don't matter, this one, uh, was even more so, uh, broadly, uh, I would say the spring, um, it's a, it's a, it's a unique situation, I think for a lot of teams this year, but UCLA, uh, maybe in particular, there's just so much depth. Because um, usually in the spring it's a lighter period because you don't have your graduated seniors and you don't alre- you don't have most of your freshman class in. But I think this year not only did not only did UCLA retain most of its um, potential graduating seniors, but they also I think enrolled a lot more of their transfers and freshmen than they typically do at this point. So I think it was something like 112 guys were available, including all the walk-ons, which is an abundance of riches for spring, um, which made it all, you know, we've had, you know, watching UCLA in the past, we've had times where we're watching, I don't know, four scholarship linemen available at different points, and that wasn't the case uh, this spring. So that was kind of, um, you know, cool to see. Um, guys who stood out, I mean, Zach Charbonnet, um, the transfer from Michigan, um, looks pretty good at running back. He'll compete with Britton Brown there. Uh, he was kind of the star of the practice today. Um, Jordan Genmark-Heath, another um, transfer, has looked really good um, at linebacker. Um, unclear yet if he might compete against uh, Bo Calvert for time. Uh, maybe that could get cleared out by the fall, um, but we'll see. But he's looked good and certainly playable. Um, But everything else, I mean, it just looks like a team that's improved, I would say. Uh, They changed out strength and conditioning stuff in the offseason. And um, it looks like they're prioritizing more lineman size. Uh, The offensive line just looks generally bigger. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's an experienced team now. Um, There's depth at a lot of spots. Um, Still some question marks. I mean, Bo Calvert's a question mark at middle linebacker. That was a, a big issue last year um and as of now it still seems like they're rolling with him as their mic but that might change by the fall um safety play was an issue last year um haven't seen much change over there yet but uh at the spots where they were pretty good last year it looks like they are bigger and and um um, you know more experienced and uh deeper so uh it should be interesting to see if uh Chip Kelly can uh, finally win a non-conference game at UCLA.
1: Yeah. They got a, got a good shot. So we'll see uh how that goes. Um that's the biggest spring recap you've ever given here on the podcast of champions. I had
0: to do it for you. And I will say one of the biggest takeaways <laughs> is uh lighter and fluffier uh Chip Kelly. Uh he was he was positively effusive in his interviews throughout the spring. Really. Yeah, like did a really bang up job. Um maybe part of it was he wasn't on camera for most of it. He could just do it over the phone. I think he might be one of those guys who's just kind of uncomfortable on camera, um, which totally understandable. That's fine. Um, but he was better over the phone. So. Yeah. There you All go. right.
1: Well, that's uh, no more spring football. So the Pac-12 is Thank finally... Thank God. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that for another year. Um, we do have kickoff times, though. So the early season TV schedule has been announced. If you've been on social media, there's lots of Hubba Baloo going on Um, week zero starts off. UCLA is going to host Hawaii. Uh, So try to get that out of conference win early on, David, that's Saturday, August 28th, 1230 PM Pacific on ESPN. So that's going to kick off uh, the season. A lot of the big non-conference games uh, are on Fox. So I think that's a good thing for the conference. So UCLA LSU is 530 PM on Labor Day weekend. And Colorado is going to host Texas A&M at 12.30 uh, on September 11th. Uh, So there's also Oregon, Ohio State and Washington, Michigan. They're also September 11th. So the the one in Columbus, Oregon, Ohio State will be 9 a.m. on Fox. And uh, in uh, Ann Arbor, 4.30 p.m. on ABC. So those two big ones, uh, you got an early one. The big Fox, you know, kickoff, the new kickoff thing. And then uh, a primetime-ish game, uh, 5.30 p.m. ABC in the big house. So those are some some really big ones.
0: All right. Great. Uh, We've got game times. Yeah. Uh, Our I've long got, national nightmare of not having game times is now finished. You don't Correct. care.
1: I got there's some other highlights. So uh, Stanford and USC. It's not, been- care, yeah. it's not that I
0: don't care, Ryan. Yeah. Not that I don't care. It's important to know when the games are. Would this information be fine if we got it three days before the games? Also, yes. Well,
1: not That's if you fine. want to tailgate stuff. People get
0: mad. You know, They don't want to do that. How long do you need to plan? Are you going to like put meat <sighs> so in people, a deep freezer? Like so People what? plan
1: a lot. I
0: mean, okay. So if you've got to travel for a game, is it really going to matter if it's a 9 a.m. game or a 12.30 game? Depends when your flights are. You could fly out that night. Or if you you're tailgating, fly. you're not flying. You're driving some RV or some crap.
1: You can drive and have a tailgate. I mean, you can fly. Whatever. All right. Well, there's a few other things. So Stanford at USC, so that's week two. That's going to be on Fox at 7.30 p.m. So Fox has never had a Pac-12 after dark game, David. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's exciting. Now they do. Um, they there's some other Pac-12 after dark games uh, on September 11th. So San Diego State at Arizona is on Pac-12 Network. That's 7 p.m. Uh, 7.15 p.m., Utah at BYU on ESPN. 7.30, UNLV is going to be at Arizona State ESPN2. Also at 7.30, Stanford at USC on Fox, like we mentioned. And then 8 p.m., Hawaii at Oregon State on FS1. So September 11th, can we get five screens going at once for Pac-12 After Dark? Like, that seems a little nutty. That seems great. That seems great. And
0: I don't have to bother with a uh, UCLA game to watch that weekend either. So I can really get nutty with it.
1: Yeah. Um, Arizona, Jed's Fish. He'll start his uh, collegiate career as the head coach at Arizona uh, against BYU uh, in Las Vegas. That'll be September 4th. That's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. So that's kind of cool. Um, Colorado's going to host Minnesota on the Pac-12 networks. Uh, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That's September 18th. Um, me some other ones. Uh, there's some more September 18th games. Idaho at Oregon State. That's a 12:30 p.m. game. Uh, what we got? So there are going to be football games at certain times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's there's but there's some Pac-12 Network games again. You know, we didn't see much of that. Uh, you know, it's the big ones we mentioned early on. You know, that, that Oregon, Ohio State, and, and Washington at and Michigan. I mean, those are pretty big. Uh, I think what USC has. Um, What's it called? They're playing San, San Diego State. They have, uh, San Jose State, and that's going to be on Pac-12 Network. So USC's first game is going to be on the Pac-12 Network. I guess I got to get the Pac-12 Network again because I haven't had it for a while.
0: There you go. There you go. I thought spring, spring practice was going to be your gateway back, but uh, apparently you have kicked the habit. Uh,
1: yeah, I didn't. I it just wasn't that much. But there's four games on the Pac-12 Network on opening weekend. So uh, Oregon's going to host Fresno State. Washington hosts Montana. I'm getting into the Montana stuff. You just went to Montana. We got a Montana question. We got two still, Montana questions. Ooh, and I'm still watching uh Yellowstone. Then USC hosts San Jose State, and then Washington State hosts Utah State. So four games on the Pac-12 network opening weekend. I gotta get I gotta get the spring, I gotta get a sling again, I guess. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, those are game times. Um probably talked about it I hope everyone is writing them down there will be a quiz later. Yeah. Uh Ethan Garber's got cleared so Washington is not going to block him anymore. I know there was some question about yeah the the length of his uh what like, is it siding or, or some crap. Yeah, I don't know, but that's that's going away. So that's good. Yes,
0: very good. Uh, good on Washington for doing the right thing after all other opportunities and and uh, you know ways of doing things were exhausted.
1: Yeah. And uh, Lolani L- L- uh, Lange, uh, so he was a former three-star recruit that was committed to Boise State, did a mission, went to Washington State, and uh, did spring camp, but he's back in the transfer portal. Um, so I think he was only coming in as a walk-on anyway, but there's, we're going to start to see some portal action. Uh, what about your boy? What about the USC guy, Jay, yeah, Jay- Toya? Jay Toya um, tear- tore it up for USC this spring. Had been committed to USC since, uh, from Grace Brethren, since 2018. Kind of crazy. Had a great spring, um, seemed to do really well, and has entered the transfer portal. So that's uh, concerning for USC fans. That just broke uh, yesterday. So we're trying to find out some more.
0: Yeah, so, like, well,
1: this is my question, is how can
0: Clay Helton be expected to deal with these kind of unexpected travesties, these yeah. unexpected occurrences? I think this gives him a major pass, not only for this season, but maybe the next four.
1: You have a lot of making up to do because you really trashed Helton for a while. And so you got to you got to get back on the keep Helton around bandwagon again. Well, I'm just saying he's losing uh,
0: potentially an anchor of his team for the next four years uh, unexpectedly. Like, he yeah. was building a lot around this guy. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I think this, I think this absolves him of any responsibility for the record <laughs> the next five years, we got five some, years,
1: I would say, cause he could have redshirted this year, but really helped out that scout team. We got some tweets. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, so I was tweeting with David about the show. I'm like, I tweeted him show Thursday. He's like, sure. And then I look up urban dictionary and they like, sure, they say, sure. is like the worst way to answer a question. I'm like, oh, that's pretty much David. Then I te- t- you know, text him three. Question mark? He says sure. Then I ask him a series of questions, like to make him say sure. So he goes sure, 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 and then a not sure at the end. But I thought it was kind of funny. But someone wanted me to ask you: Would it be okay if UCLA gave Chip Kelly a lifetime contract? What would your answer have been? Sure. Uh, yeah, that's probably a
0: sure. Um, Because like, would it be? Would I be okay? Like, I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't self-immolate. I might want to, but yeah, sure, I'd be okay. It would be funny. I, got, I for, you know, at a certain point, you get less upset that it's bad and more. You just, you know, you just got to laugh, you know, it's
1: kind yeah. of funny. So, yeah, I'd be OK. I think sure. it was fun. And then Webfoot tweeted us. I'm having a rough week. Give me a podcast soon or I'll use my connections to ensure both Chip Kelly and Clay out and get 10 year contract extensions. That's what we're here for. To prevent yeah. that from happening. So, what's why we're, so we're on the air? We're, we're we're talking right now, Webfoot, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, so all right, good stuff. Let's see. Uh, what is the other? Oh, Stan. It's not going to cut any sports teams, baby. Yeah, what did so there was a pretty big outrage. They had, I think it was like 36 strong or something because there were 36 teams. Um, you know, some of the Stanford, uh, like I think the wrestling team would wear their singlets inside out. Like there was a lot of stuff that they were sort of like disassociating themselves from Stanford. And these are like teams that are like winning national championships. Uh, so it was a, a a fairly big pushback. I believe Stanford came back and said, you know, Hey, we'll keep you guys, you know, these programs, if you can raise the money and that's not going to be a problem uh, at Stanford. So I, I don't, you shocked about this, but it's a pretty big reversal to cut 11 teams and then not cut any of them.
0: Yeah. Well, I think they completely misjudged public opinion because this is all just a PR thing both ways. Um, they wanted to cut it. Uh, Wilner seems to think it was because of scholarship numbers. Um, I'm sure it's just the same private equity cretins that, cretins that ruin the entire country are trying to ruin Stanford too. But r- regardless, either way, There's always the money at Stanford. Stanford is a money tree. They can afford to have 100 scholarship sports. They can afford to have 200. It doesn't matter. These these things don't cost that much money, especially the sports they're talking about. Um, So it wasn't about the money, or at least not in any real way. Um, So there was enough outcry that they couldn't justify doing it, which is great. Um, And uh, yeah, but they shouldn't come out of this looking good uh this is yet another way they have looked
1: like ass in the last year yeah um did you catch the uh the netflix documentary about the um blues by the way no no i don't think the reviews were great it was pretty much it was like they used the all the dialogue from the wiretaps but they just reenacted it so they had like actors and stuff doing it and oh yeah like a mid-90s tv movie that's great Yeah, I don't think the reviews were great, but it was cool to just sort of get a recap. But they did interview the Stanford uh, sailing coach. And, you know, he was claiming that the Stanford athletic director knew. um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Why am I blanking on the 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 mastermind's name? The guy that turned everyone in. Um, Who's the head of who was the head of the uh, crap? I can't I can't remember his name. But anyway, uh, he said that he knew the guy Richard Singer. Uh, And so. The, the sailing coach who got fired right away had said, you know, that the athletic director knew about him and it was funny. I mean, the the Stanford coach, the sailing coach was actually the only coach that didn't take money for himself. All the money that was given from Singer for the bribes went to the sailing program. And he kind of painted a picture of like in the Stanford, like they, they basically had like a meeting with some of the other coaches and he said, you know, I just won the national championship. And the athletic, athletic director didn't even look at me, didn't say congratulations, nothing. The only, that when they talked about fundraising, that's all he did is turn to me and say, hey, you're doing a good job with that. And he was doing a good job because of the Singer stuff. He goes, I wasn't a good fundraiser. Uh, singer was definitely a way to, you know, bring funds into the, the program. But Stanford denied that, um, one, uh, that the AD knew Singer at all, and two, that anyone would get in with any sort of, uh, you know, donations oh, to Stanford. Bullshit. So like, bullshit. yeah. So it's like, bullshit. yeah, someone, someone donates a building, you're getting in. But uh, it's it was it was kind of interesting, but he was the only coach that was interviewed. So I guess that was some sort of new information there, uh, but he didn't end up going to jail. He, because he, you know, he was, they said he was probably the last, you know, as far as like, you know, severity goes, you know, he didn't take any money for himself. It was just taking money for the program. So, yeah. I don't know. Is that even like, what do you think? Like, hey, I'll, I'll let one athlete in for a bunch of money to pay for the rest of my athletes. I don't know. Maybe that's OK. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, bribes generally I'm not a huge fan of because um, it's uh, essentially you're, you're advantaging uh, wealth and privilege. Uh, But legal bribes are still legal. Um, Like you said, if if somebody donates a building, they get in um, to almost any private institution and a whole shitload of the publics as well. Um, So I don't think, uh, you know, closing this particular loophole. I mean, at least in this one, uh, except in the Stanford sailing coach who didn't even take the money. Silly. Uh, (laughs) But at least in this one, you're, um, you know uh doling out some money to a private individual uh you know the the school bribes you know buying a building for stanford is like i don't know um buying a building for amazon like what are you doing Right, they yeah. don't need it they really don't need the money um <laughs> so but uh, you know if you're paying the sailing coach well like i might need some money i don't know he's probably making 150,000 but he's living in palo alto maybe he needs a little bit extra money Um, so honestly, on like a morality spectrum, maybe that's even a little bit better, um, to, to pay off an individual versus paying off one of these, you know, blood sucking institutions. Uh, but I could go either way, generally speaking, all of it's bad. And it would be nice if they cut out all those loopholes, um, so that you wouldn't, um, you know, advantage yourself based off of your, uh, wealth and privilege. But, uh, that's that's the way this particular cookie crumbles
1: yeah singer called it the front door which is like you just get in uh the back door which is you donate a building um uh, your parents you know whatever maybe not quite a building but there could be you know whatever. and then this is the sewer entrance they call it, he called it the side door is what he yeah. called it yeah yeah the, it,
0: it, yeah and uh the worry is that you'll well if it's the sewer entrance the worry is that you'll get in there and then you'll smell like crap and they'll find you um you know the back door you don't you don't smell like poop
1: which they did. It was funny, like basically some other guy got busted by the FBI for like some financial charges and gives up Rick Singer. He's like, oh, by the way, you might want to check this out. They talked to the Yale soccer coach who instantly flips on Singer. And then they talk to Singer. It's like they're already to the head of it, like super quick. And then Singer flips on everyone else, all the celebrities, all the you know. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was pr- pretty interesting. It just more of a recap, I think, than like any kind of gotcha new stuff, Um, but you know, and then I think, I was listening to I think it was the Yahoo Sports podcast, and uh like Dan Wetzel was going off on you know, it's you were talking about privilege, like are there any underprivileged kids that are in the Stanford sailing program, like they went through like the list of high schools that these guys are like, so if you let someone in to the Stanford sailing program because he's rich like are Is they all really redundant? Like <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, who's there, there's no one from like Compton that's in the Stanford sailing program. You're, just, you're not going to be able to do that. So, yeah, that's that's sort of like I don't know about that program. You're like, yeah, you're, you're already letting privileged guys. Here. I don't know what, what would change if you're like, you know, let the one rich guy. Yeah, rich guy. I, I mean,
0: I don't know. I mean, I know like the rowing program at UCLA. So you wouldn't think obviously like the people who are rowing before college are more than likely going to be, um, you know, wealthier people like who else would take up rowing. Uh, But I know the rowing program uh, was so big, the girls rowing program, I should say, um, because it was one of the ways that they balanced the football scholarships. So they had a ton of scholarships for the rowing program. So they would literally recruit in the dorms just girls who looked big and strong. Um, So I don't know if it's similar with like Stanford and sailing or whatever, um, but you could see a scenario where it's like that, where you're getting more, you know, because how many people even sail before
1: college? Like, is it that many? Um, I think so. I even mean, among the hoity-toity. You're, re- yeah. I mean, they're recruit they're they're recruiting experienced sailors. You know, I mean, that's just. I'm I, I, that, sure, but like, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you're getting on the team. Like, they, I don't. I mean, there might be some walk-ons or something. But if you're going to get a scholarship to. Well, but what I'm saying is like the, the
0: girls rowing scholarships, like scholarship athletes were often just people recruited out of the dorms at
1: UCLA. Yeah. And I, I think that's common that they have to fill. And then you find people that are good and maybe they start to walk on and they get a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, but later. I guess we're yeah. moving far
0: afield. I mean, yeah. And I mean, honestly, most of the people who go to Stanford um, as scholarship athletes, they're um, self-selected at some level. But um, I don't know. I mean. Getting somebody competent, yeah, it's, it's tough because like sailing money, like sailing money, like you were in high school and you were a sailor, that's probably more than what even Rick Singer was paying off the sailing coach for, right? Like oh, they yeah. come from families that are in like the hundreds of millions of dollars. Range, you're going to a prep the, school. Yeah, you're not like.
1: You're like not, not, not Lori Loughlin's
0: kid, but even a cut above that. So yes. like. I don't know maybe it's a little bit more equitable to have the kid who's gotten bribed to get in being on the sailing team versus the one (laughs) who's actually worth several hundred million dollars because they might only be worth ten million dollars (laughs) yeah because they don't have enough money to buy a building right we're doing we're doing right by the middle of the top one percent of the country here
1: So, so rich but not rich enough to buy a building
0: yeah so yeah no we're just we're slowly you know slowly just balancing things very very slowly that's, nice. what, that's what the goal was here.
1: All right. Well, uh, that's all I got. Anything else? We take a break and do some questions. Let's take a break and do some questions. Back in a minute, everybody. All right. We're back here on the podcast of champions. Got all the news out of the way. We got to get some questions. We got a bunch of emails. I got a voicemail. Should we do that one first? We like the voicemails, right? Let's do it.
0: I didn't hear the medium, the music that goes in between. So I might not even hear this voicemail. So it might be all
1: you, dog. Ooh, okay. Uh, Hopefully you can hear it, but let me, uh, I'll play it for you and see what happens. Hey guys, it's Perk. Uh there's an article
0: in the Athletic about you know, a few weeks back about the uh the impact of the 2001 USC upset over UCLA and the cross town rivalry and it got me wondering um for you know for both of you guys what was your favorite game um looking back on the USC UCLA rivalry and uh also which one would you guys uh say is the best or the one that you know most people think of when they think of the rivalry. Thanks guys. We ever hear that David? I wasn't, but I was able to read the transcript, so I think I got an idea. Nice. All right, well, do you want to go first, though? Okay, so my favorite game, looking back on the USC-UCLA rivalry? Yeah. Uh, well, of the games I've actually, like, paid attention to and watched, so since, I don't know, 2000, uh, probably the 2013 game at the Coliseum. Uh, that was the one where Ed O was the uh, interim Um, and there was a lot of like a little bit of shit talking before the game. And then UCLA pretty much pasted them. Um, the the game opened with Caleb Beninok, I think, punching one of the uh, USC players, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so it was, that was a fun one. Um, I could go really outside the box and say 50 to nothing because once again, it was hilarious. It was really funny. (laughs) And it put the nail in the coffin for the Rick Neuheisel era which was an essential thing to have happened. Um, but that might be even a little too dark for even me. Um, and Honorable mentioned in 2006, 13-9, just because it was so weird and unexpected. Yeah. People don't remember. That 2006 USC team was quite good. They, <laughs> they were, were really very, good. Very good. UCLA had no business being in that game. And it was the muckiest, like, ugliest, like but had so many dramatic moments Um like I mean, it was thirteen to nine, but it was just like these like crazy defensive stop after defensive stop. Maybe the biggest punt of uh, you know in UCLA's last twenty years from Aaron Perez to basically ice the game at the end. The Eric McNeil catch uh, for the interception. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll go two thousand six instead. Uh,
1: those are, all, those are good ones. Um, I would say the 2011 15 to nothing in the Coliseum, but. I didn't want to see Rick Neuheisel go, so I don't think that can win. I mean, if you go back to your, like, um, when I was a sophomore, I went to the Rose Bowl for the first time. It was 1990, and uh, it was the back-and-forth game, Todd Morenovich. uh, USC won 45-42 with that Johnny Morton catch in the corner of the end zone I believe uh that was a pretty fun one I remember that that was you know the most excited I've been my freshman year there was a 10-10 tie it was pretty boring and, and UCLA wasn't very good that year and USC went to the Rose Bowl that year and they tied UCLA but that next year in the in the Rose Bowl was uh that was pretty fun I think you know um from the USC fan whatever they're they probably like the 27 nothing in 2001 sort of like you know Pete Carroll sort of jumping on the scene and saying here's what you know things are going to be like or whatever that was a a pretty good one but there was some fun i mean 13 to 9 was just like a wacky like as far as like memorable games in 2006 i'll remember that uh for a long time i think the year before it was like 66 to 19 i'll remember i'll remember 66 to 19 until the day i die
0: wait Uh, why was that why that so if you remember that ucla team finished 10 and 2
1: Oh wow! Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. So that UCLA team was eight and zero heading into Arizona, then lost the friggin' Willie Tuiama and like a three and eight Arizona team. So that was bad. And then they they won. I think they beat ASU, so they were looking pretty good. They were nine and one at that point heading into the USC game, and just got absolutely tattooed. Like it was not close. Almost immediately, just a complete and utter blowout, and it was like, how the did this team and it was a joke like they were that was the whole year of like these insane comebacks for UCLA uh like I think Stanford game they were down I think it was like 24 to 3 with like 8 minutes to go and one um but yeah no that one just killed any possibility of of hope that that would finally be a, a you know a Rose Bowl contender um yeah. so yeah that one was fun and then 2006 happened which was cool but yeah I don't know, even though it was a UCLA win and that, those have been hard to come by, I think 2006 is probably one of the more memorable ones. It's either that or 50 to nothing. 50 to nothing might be a better indication of how the last 20 years have gone in this rivalry, um, but I don't know, 13 to 9 is pretty cool.
1: The 90s is memorable to me because like when I started my engineering career, uh, I worked at a huge aircraft company. And I worked for this guy, Pete on and he was a big UCLA guy. He was, I think it was Penn state, but he went, he did his master's at UCLA, which was, I was doing my math. I went undergrad to SC. I was doing my master's because Hughes would pay for your master's and USC had a like satellite program. You could watch it on video in a room like somewhere at Hughes. So you could do most of your classes while like basically you're at work. UCLA didn't have that. So most people, most of the engineers got their master's from USC but Hughes would have paid for UCLA too. Pete went to UCLA for some reason and was a huge Bruin fan. And I think they had won four in a row and he wrote on his whiteboard in his office like four more years. And they kept winning like year after year. And I was like, damn it, Pete. And it was pretty funny. Um, I had left a couple of years after, so I didn't get to see the end of the streak when he was around, but um, it was funny. And then in 99, when they ended the streak and won uh, 17-7, to I think that one's memorable too. But that, that was a... That was a long eight years for for USC fans. But I I remember, you know, working at Hughes and uh, having Pete there. That was it was uh, close enough that. Well, yeah, they had just won in 95. I think I was there in 95. They won the basketball national championship. So, you know, people would put if there were some, you know, some engineers that were Bruins, I remember them putting up the uh, banners there. But uh, that was that was a memorable time in the rivalry as well, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And, you know, which uh, which which. Which team didn't doesn't have an eight game winning streak in the rivalry? USC doesn't. No, they don't. They don't. Because they're thirteen to nine. It would have been. that's right, baby. That's yeah. right, baby.
1: <laughs> so even more, it would have been. It wouldn't have just been eight. It would've, it would've no, been. it would
0: have been all the way to two thousand twelve. So it would have <laughs> been another seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, no, it would have been another five years on top of the the initial seven plus the wow. one. So
1: that's yeah, crazy. you're looking at a thirteen year winning streak. Crazy. Yeah, thirteen to nine. I'd have to take the cake for all that stuff. So Yep. All right. Uh let's see. I think the first email is a Montana one. Do you want to do this all one? Right, oh. I will do it. Okay. This is from Alfred Boomlang or Boomslang.
0: There's he either spelled yes. his name or this is a pseudonym he's not uh totally familiar with yet. Either way. Montana. Hi Maven Bryant. Uh, You have at least one Montana fan. Maeve, glad you made a visit to Montana. And just like a good SoCal boy, you came, spent your money, and went home. All jokes aside, here's some quick hit questions for you guys. One, over-under three and a half. Number of Pac-12 football coaches that get fired during or after the 2021 season? I'll go under. So the possibilities are uh, Chip Kelly, Clay Helton. Um... I mean, who I else? Don't think, I don't think Herm's a real possibility. No. Uh, I don't, obviously not Kyle Whittingham or Durrell. Uh David Shaw?
1: No. Say, like, unexpectedly happening, maybe? No. He wouldn't be fired. He would leave. Like, they wouldn't, I don't think they could fire him. They would just have him leave. Justin Wilcox? I don't think so. I mean, they got, they got enough problems there. I mean, if he's, he's going to be pretty good and. Yeah, this is under. This is under. Because the only two real possibilities are Chip Kelly and Clay Elton. Like, I'd have to think about it if you said one and a
0: half. Yeah. All right, two. The 2021 Pac-12 football coach of the
1: year will come from the north or south? I'm going to go south because I feel like it could be an open race. Um, And if Herm wins the south, he'll win it. If, like, two, the south. yeah he'll win it um you know if USC or Whittingham I don't know if they would necessarily win it, depending on what happens well, in the north if Clay Helton just finishes five and four in conference he should win it yes that would be quite the accomplishment uh but I'll, I'm gonna venture the south because I I feel like it could be ASU or well I'll go south what do you think yeah
0: south Three, which happens first? The Pac-12 men's basketball or football team wins
1: the national championship? I've got this question like a number of different times, I think. It's definitely men's basketball. Yeah, I think basketball I don't know why. I don't
0: know why. UCLA? It's UCLA's back, baby! The Bruins are back. All right. Uh, four, what's better for the next media rights deal for the Pac-12? A deal with a major network, CBS, ESPN, etc., or a deal with a streaming service, Netflix, Amazon Prime, et cetera? Uh,
1: I mean, I think it just, I think it depends. I think you need both to sort of drive up the price. Um, And if you can get something done early, the Big 12 had an opportunity to try to redo their deal that is a year after the Pac-12. They have a similar thing with Fox and ESPN, and they were not really willing to renegotiate that. But they've already got, the Big 12 already has more, you know, higher distributions, than the Pac-12 and they get their own tier three rights. So they're still in a better spot than the Pac-12 is. Um, I think it might be better just exposure wise for a major network, but I think you'd have to get something along with a streaming service too, to help out. I don't know, what do you
0: think? Yeah, I mean, it depends on
1: the money. Um,
0: my whole theory on the streaming stuff is maybe you'll be able to get some kind of like sweetheart deal um, Uh, because, you know, you're taking a risk on them the same way they're taking a risk on you. Um, So you could get a, uh, you know, a shitload of money. Um, And they're starting from such a low point in terms of distribution with the Pac-12 network that literally any of these streaming companies has more market share than the Pac-12 network. Um, So I could see it working for the Pac-12 in a way that it might not work for, like, the SEC uh, but yeah, I, I tend to agree. There needs to be some combination, um, some com- combo effect here. Um, but if you, I would be open, like if, if the, you're the Pac 12 and somebody offers you an insane amount of money to go be on Amazon or Hulu or whatever, then take it. What the hell? Um, yeah. You're, you're not losing anything. I mean, uh, I think you're still going to have. I don't think they're going to be getting all of their rights for all these, like, big-ticket games back. I mean, I think there is going to still be a combination. Um, But all the, you know, the Pac-12 network games that we've had in the last dozen years, put them on some streaming service. What the hell? Why not?
1: Yeah, I think you want to be able to be seen. If it's, like, some of the big games in the Pac-12 are going to be on like Paramount Plus, that's not good. No, 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 don't, don't,
0: you, you've got to keep it to like whatever, the big five or whatever, which would be YouTube, uh, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon. Amazon, yeah.
1: And I would think even more like, more than like YouTube YouTube and Hulu, like I think more people have Netflix and Amazon. I mean, like you probably, there's a lot of people that have Amazon Prime that don't even get the, But if you're like, oh, I can watch, the Pac-12, on a thing I already have, I just need to, like, turn it, you know, download the app, then it seems like most people have those, you know, where, like, Hulu, maybe not as much.
0: Yeah, and I I agree. I think it should be Amazon and Netflix if you're going to do it. And it looks like Amazon is the one that's more into it right now, Uh, but that might make Netflix be, you know, competitive if you actually wanted to see if they wanted to do it. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah. So Amazon Prime has 200 million subscribers. Netflix has 200 million. Hulu has 40 million, and YouTube TV subscribers, three million. Yeah. So you're not doing YouTube. Um, yeah. I think it's got to be it's got to be Amazon or, or Netflix if you're going to do it. And I nailed that. Yeah. Did, didn't even know. I just assumed. The man. Uh, All right. And then the last one. Would you rather have a three-round boxing match against a kangaroo or a blindfolded Conor McGregor? That's
1: a tough okay. one. A three-round boxing match against a kangaroo or blindfolded Conor? McGregor. It's got to be blind-
0: blindfolded Conor McGregor, I think.
1: Yeah, because I feel like the kangaroo might not come after you, but if he does, like you're not hiding. Like if the kangaroo is going to be more about you're, hiding, you're, you're
0: done. You're done if a kangaroo comes after you intent to like actually do you harm.
1: Yes, so I would uh, think blindfolded com- Conor McGregor like I feel like you could avoid the big punches potentially, but if it's a boxing match, he can't like grapple with you. If it was like MMA, he could stumble on you and then once he feels you could have get you in a toehold or something and then you're just screwed. You, I mean, look, I don't think
0: I don't think I would win either of these.
1: I'll be honest.
0: But I think <laughs> I have a higher percentage chance against Conor McGregor because what you could do and I mean, it's not it's not great,
1: but I mean, oh, we're talking boxing. So you got to follow the rules. So that's a right. tough. Right. But I think you can I mean, you can roll around on the ground like you can like get the hell away from him if he's coming after you. Uh, you can, you know, do the quiet place thing and just not make a sound and then, like punch him in the back of the head. Well, OK, so
0: it's if it's boxing rules, then you throw out his grappling ability, right? Like he's not grabbing.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. Like if you like basically if he like tripped over you, you guys went to the ground like you're you're getting back up. You can't. But if it was a MMA thing. If it was MMA,
0: I think it would almost be easier because you would just like sneak around behind him and like kick him or
1: whatever. Right. No, because that if he just gets a hand on you and he's on the ground, like, he's going to to just mess you up, right? And they're not going to stop it. In boxing, like, he couldn't do that. Like, I I would fear just him accidentally touching me and then, like, getting me in some kind of hole, then I'm done.
0: Yeah, that's probably what he would do is just, like, full-on, like, airplane, right? Like, just do, like, helicoptering around. like Yeah, just and just his as arms long as he could touch you, you
1: yeah. Grab something. Yeah. With this, you might be able to sneak behind him and give him a, get a punch in. But I, I don't. I think you would just like but run away. You can't punch in the back of the head in boxing, can you? I mean, you could punch him in the back or something, right? Or no, like
0: can you? I don't know if that's so. Here's the thing: I've never seen a boxing match where like this has
1: actually happened, where you can get behind <laughs> a guy. Can you punch somebody in the back? I don't know. I don't know. You, maybe from the side, you can do that in the side. I would think, but like I, I don't think you would risk getting close enough to punch him because but that's another problem is also
0: like, he's a lot quicker than either of us are like in terms of like his hand speed and everything. So you connect on a punch, you've got to move your body so fast because he's going to be flashing out at the angle that that punch came in immediately. I think you're getting your ass kicked either way. Um, but I'm still taking the blindfolded guy.
1: Um, yeah, I think I'm going to take the blindfolded uh, Conor McGregor. That makes sense. Yep. Um, all right, we got one from uh, Rich. He's uh, about fly fishing, um, and he's from the Evening Hatch Fly Shop. So awesome to hear you guys talking fly fishing for a minute. I'm a fly shop owner in Ellensburg, Washington, a lifelong USC fan. We are two hours east of Seattle on the Yakima River. Next time you're up this way, come a day early and do a float uh and do a float and fly fish. Uh, it's a beautiful river with lots of trout. Thanks for all the hard work, guys. Awesome stuff. Fight on from Rich. Rich, I'd love to do that. So.
0: All right. So a- anybody out there, in case uh, you know we don't end up doing this, but if you want to go fly fishing two hours east of Seattle on the
1: Akama River, Evening Hatch Fly Shop, ask for Rich. Yeah. Go check it out. Uh, but, yeah, we'd love to, you know, maybe Dave and I make a trek up there sometime. Maybe we will.
0: Maybe we will. Yeah. All right, this is from Hithlidae. All right, you look up this title. It's
1: I don't really have the energy, but I'll try. Okay, fine, I'll do it. No, it's fine, Jesus.
0: Unus ad bigus. All right. Uh,
1: yeah, this is a weird one. Is it take one for the team? Is that what it's, no, I don't know. I get how to pronounce it in Latin. I'm getting that too, why won't it, damn it. It does. What does take one for the team mean? Maybe that maybe that is it. Ut unus ad bigus. Yeah, I, I told you I didn't have the energy. I just felt like this was not, not. going to be a good one. All right, well, whatever. <sighs> Ut
0: unus ad bigus. Uh Let's say that the uh, nine Pac-12 schools on USC's schedule decide their collective best interests are served by Clay Helton keeping his job. Okay, so it is take one for the team and conspire to throw the minimum number of games against the Trojans in order to keep him unfired at the end of 2021. What is the optimal set of wins and losses for them to do so? So, in the schedule, USC misses Oregon and Washington from the north. My guess is that USC sweeping the non-con plus wins over UCLA, ASU, Arizona, Utah, and Stanford would do it. So, 8-4 winning the South and beating three rivals, that'd be enough to retain Hilton, Right. But it still lets Colorado Wazoo, OSU, and Cal get wins over USC. That would shore up two second-year coaches and validate Smith and Wilcox building their programs up. Meanwhile, the 80s won't fire Fish in his first year or Sean Winningham ever, so they can take it. Would it force a hasty firing of Kelly or Edwards, though? Do you boys think Kelton needs to hit a different threshold to keep his job or have an alternate solution? I think it's a different
1: threshold. Um,
0: I think you're hopelessly optimistic.
1: No, I think, you know... Just from uh, the sources that I've talked to, I mean, they're hearing it constantly. I don't think Aiden Ford and winning the South is going to sneak, at, you know, be enough. If you're talking about win the Pac 12, and he, you know, if, if USC went on to beat Oregon, if uh, taking one from the team, if that's what these schools want to do, uh, you, you will let them win the South, I mean, win the whole conference. Yeah. I, I, Plus, I don't think if you're taking one from the team, are you going to let, okay, we're going to let this team win the division when Herm could win it, uh, Utah could win it again, Chip could win it. Uh, yeah, I don't think this would fly, and I don't think it would be enough. I don't I don't think you could do an optimal thing where you'd keep everyone else happy and do enough for Clay Helton to get uh, retained. That's my opinion, but I don't know what are your thoughts
0: Yeah, but as a thought experiment, I don't hate it Um, because it is basically (laughs) figuring out, Okay, well, what record actually, you know, keeps keeps our boy exactly where he needs to be, Um, you know, uh, keeping USC right where it needs to be, right where it should be at all times. Um, And I think eight and four winning the South and beating three rivals Uh, a lot of guys might talk a good game heading into that, but if that's what happens, I think the AD might have some trouble making that, making that decision. Um, particularly if, I mean, as you theorize, what if he then wins the PAC 12? Like what if he then wins the title game?
1: If you win the title game, I think it changes the narrative, but I don't think winning the South is enough. Um, and I I don't see a scenario where this happens and you lose to you beat Notre Dame also. I just, I don't see this
0: plausible. Think about the state of the USC fandom. Right? Where they are nine and four after winning the Pac 12, and then they just get absolutely murder stomped by like Michigan or whatever in the Rose Bowl, and they're nine and five. And you're just stuck once again in that absolute purgatory where you know, hey, this is the fool who lost to Colorado Wazoo, Oregon State, and Cal, but we're going to keep him because he won the Pac 12. Like, is that is that the worst case scenario? It could be. <laughs> I think that's, I think Hitler Day's hit on the number. I think it is eight and four, but it does, I think to ensure it, it does require winning the Pac 12 on top of it. Like you do have to win the Pac 12 title game, but eight and four, that keeps you alive. Like that's alive heading into the Pac 12 championship game.
1: But you're, if you're taking one for the team, I don't think anyone's going to sign up for, all right, no one, none of you get to win the division. And then, oh, and you don't get to win the Pac 12 either. We're, we, We basically need to let Clayton win the Pac-12 to keep him around. And at that point, this is where your lack
0: of a collective instinct really comes into play, because this is a communal activity. Look, they're doing it for the betterment of everyone. And, uh, you know, that's I mean, it's a it's a concept that's foreign to you. And I understand very,
1: very foreign to me. Yes.
0: But, uh, you know, they're making sacrifices for the common good. Uh, This is a very uh, socialized attitude here from from our man. Nice.
1: All right. Uh, hit, hit the socialist. All right, let's go birdie. He's got a question for the podcast. Very descriptive, uh, subject. It says question for the podcast. So thanks. And now we know, uh, I asked you to back in May of 2019, which program would win a national championship first UCLA basketball or USC football back then Dave said USC football was most likely and Ryan, you agreed now after this year's basketball tournament, you still feel USC is probably going to win one first. Thanks guys from Bernie. No. I think we both switch at this point. Yes. Especially absolutely. seeing yeah. how college football has changed that USC hasn't got its act together and Cronin turned out to be a bang-up hire. I don't, don't know about that. that. We didn't know. But we you in basketball like you might not be Kentucky or Duke or whatever but you can still make a run. It's it's so much harder now in college football. Like you gotta be Alabama level or Clemson level to win. Like or just kind of good, which USC also isn't. Yeah. So I think UCLA showed that even with a roster that's not like the best, uh, can still make a run, you know? Oh okay. yeah. So I I would go with UCLA basketball right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No question. Yeah. Thanks, Bernie. Oh wow! All right, here's what oh, I, I got the I, I got the lucky end this time. This yeah, is yeah good. you
0: sure did. All right, Liv Moss. On my last email, I vowed to hit snooze again until August, until we're asked to compare Pac-12 programs, to, uh, unless we're asked to compare Pac-12 programs to salad dressings or something. Enter last week. There was a special request at the end of a misguided email about how playoff expansion playoff expansion would help the conference in recruiting or something. Dude. Nobody is committing to Wake Forest because Clemson is good at football. Having our champion lose a quarterfinal game to 2 lost Florida or Georgia doesn't help the conference keep coaches or recruits. When we go to eight, inevitable, that will become a baseline for the competitive operation. Nobody will look upon inclusion at eight and celebrate our presence. The whole floor will be raised, and we still won't have a team good enough to compete. At eight, we're actually further away from a national championship than we would be if USC fired their coach, hired Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle, or even just drew a smiley face on a red balloon and gave it a little hat. If USC got aggressive, we could go back to the two-team BCS, and the conference would be closer to winning a championship than we would be at eight. I promise. This is not, just, this is not a just-give-us-a-shot scenario. We don't need an invite to a tournament we can't win. We just need one team to be good enough. Period. Full stop. Okay, so at the end of this playoff expansion, expansion misstep, which David David rightfully took apart piece by piece, this person shifted gears into a genius prompt. The question was: Please compare Pac-12 coaches to fast food restaurants. So, Kyle Whittingham is in and out. Strong people should always have them in the conversation for best overall, but there's a what that there's that one part of the experience that holds them back and doesn't allow them to quite get over the top to true elite transcendence.
1: Uh, that, so is he that saying one, like the that one uh, part,
0: fries? Yeah, the quarterback play is like fries. Yeah, it's their it's their French fries. Herm Edwards is Chick fil A. Seems like he takes politeness very seriously and couldn't handle business on Sundays. Ooh, like it. Love it. Ooh, more up. That is really good. Chip Kelly is Chipotle. There was a moment in the mid 2000s where this felt new and innovative. A heavy dose of the runs is a guaranteed part of the experience, but everybody overlooks that when talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> Jed Fish is Long John Silvers Long John Silvers. This is a fish joke. As far as I know, nobody has ever actually been into, experienced, seen a Long John Silvers, so we don't know what to expect really. But I think we're all prepared for disappointment. Have you
1: ever been to a Long John Silvers? I believe so. Like they were in like They're very bigger I, about out east. Yeah, I was western Pennsylvania, I think. I don't think they were in like Massachusetts when I was there, but it was more of like Pennsylvania. Like, yeah. Pittsburgh area. Like, that was more, like, that's what, you you know, if you wanted seafood, you could get it there, potentially. Oh, yeah, not
0: doing that. Yeah. Nick Rolovich's hot dog on a stick. It's easy to forget it exists, even though he's always over there smiling and wearing a silly hat. Carl Durrell mm-hmm. is jack-in-the-box. Actual dialogue happening somewhere at 3 a.m. Hey, Linda, you want to grab something? I guess, if we have to, since we got ditched out here and nothing else is available, we don't have much money or any options, really. I know it was terrible last time, but I guess we could give this another shot. Eight minutes later, wait, hang on. I think this might be great. Linda, do we love this now? Yeah, it's surprisingly good. Let's give it a while to settle before making any real judgments. (laughs) Uh, Jack in the Box. Yeah, no, Jack in the Box. That's perfect. perfect encapsulation of Jack in the Box. Uh, David Shaw is Arby's. He's stubborn. He refuses to change. He's committed to doing the one thing he does, even though nobody outside of the Midwest or under the age of 70 appreciates
1: the thing he does. Four people would like this joke because four people eat at Arby's. <laughs> I, you know, like, I don't think I've had a bad experience there. I just hardly ever go. And you see, like, the commercials for it. Have you eaten there, like, any time recently? Or?
0: I last, I, I've eaten at an Arby's once in my life, and I think it was
1: 10 years ago. Okay. It was okay?
0: I, or? I don't know. Like, how much are you, like, ever just looking forward to I, You know,
1: I need a roast beef sandwich. Right. But I think what I've had it of, like, that's a, you know, it's fine. Roast beef sandwich with cheese on it? Like, all right, you know, whatever. I haven't tried all the stuff that they have on the commercials and everything, but, um, yeah. 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 Maybe they
0: get a better app. We'll see. Maybe. Jimmy Lake is Carl's Jr. He's trying to sell the exact, <laughs> he's trying to sell the exact, the same exact shit they sold at Hardee's, but telling you it's younger and sexier in the
1: commercials, I guess. Uh, I do want to know what that is, like the regional thing, because like in the South, Hardee's I think it's sell the same thing. It's di- it's slightly different menu, too.
0: It is different. Okay. It's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't get the relationship really. Uh, Clay Helton is Subway. Nobody does less with more or will make you feel more underwhelmed about the way you're spending your money. Seriously, this is the only one on the list where you regret the decision <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> you regret the decision ahead of time. Actual dialogue happening somewhere at 12 p.m. <laughs> Linda, let's just get Subway. It's already in our building and it's just easy and it's easier just to keep the status quo than it would be to go outside the building and try something better. Yeah, and I'm on a diet, so here's 11, here's eleven dollars. <laughs> grab, <laughs> grab me a loaf of white bread and a bag of plain and a bag of plain sun chips and a medium water and a macadamia nut cookie. Okay, two macadamia nut cookies. I sure do love being average. There are somehow more than 41,000 subway locations on the planet Earth. Anybody who goes to Subway after 2 p.m. on a weekend is a sociopath. After 2 p.m. or on a weekend is a sociopath. Mario Cristobal is Hooters. He has boobs. Uh, <laughs> Justin Wilcox is Jimmy John's. He's the same type of uninspired blandness as Clay Helton. He just gets there faster. Nice. Jonathan Smith is Taco Bell, criminally criminally underrated, affordable, and legitimately great. Makes the absolute most out of basic ingredients and a small budget. Nobody out here has anything close to a Crunchwrap Supreme or a Quesarito. It's time we all live moss and realize that Jonathan Smith is probably as good as it gets in terms of delivering above expectations and resources. I got six bucks. Is anyone else getting me six spicy potato soft tacos? No, this is my dude. Keep up the work. Your friend and compatriot,
1: Shane. Hey, Shane. Thanks. I am... Taco Bell idiot like everyone has like favorite I just hardly ever go there when I go there I'll order a couple things it ends up being like 11 dollars I'm like what did I do like people come in here and order like piles of food for five bucks and I'm not sure what to do I just you look at the menu it's absolutely enormous it's oh I get overwhelmed when I go in there so I'm I am not a good Taco Bell person well I would argue you're probably ordering too
0: much um because if you're ordering 11 bucks of food at, like, Taco Bell, you're probably going to feel really bad about yourself afterwards, too. Mm. Like, that's a that's a lot of Taco Bell. Because, like, one quesarito, like, one quesarito, first of all, you're, like, setting off a bomb in your stomach. Um, it's, like, I, I swear to God, I think it's, like, 900 calories. Whoa. It's nuts. Um, but it's delicious. Like, I strongly recommend the quesarito. But you get one of those. That's it. And that's like three thirty nine, and you get okay. it or whatever if you want one. And you can get in and out of there if you're ordering the right stuff for like five six bucks.
1: Um, you can get like a, a shitload of soft tacos for nothing. Um, I, so I just get like I want this kind of burrito, and it's like yeah, you're probably
0: going a little bit too frou frou. You're probably getting the burritos. You're probably getting some kind of weird like signature thing. Just you got to go off like just the basic menu.
1: Yeah. Okay uh i will make sure uh, i yeah, do don't that. screw it don't, up again don't screw it right. up again. we have a i've just haven't been talking about a long time we we have a text message uh does he sign it from somewhere i'm trying to see I he doesn't know inside okay uh so he said i've been brainstorming uh a new tagline in case of the commissioner george Klyavkov actually gets some new tv deals here are just a few And so here's the ones he has now with more five stars than the Pac-12. We are the podcast of champions. Okay. I like it. Clever. Yeah. Uh, Now with more fans than Stanford football, we are the podcast of champions. We already, already we
0: could already claim that one, but okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now with less champagne than the WTA, we are the podcast of champions.
0: I'll say I like number one. Uh, I think we can probably still maintain this one. Uh, Forever. And I think it'll be really funny after the Pac-12 network has been defunct for like 10 years to still hear that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Are you ready for Brad in Portland? I think I am. Is this me or you? It's me. Uh, It's you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hey, guys. Playoffs and history. The other week on the podcast, you guys were talking about the overtime rules changing. And Dave commented something to the effect that they shouldn't make any changes to the rules that would make the game less fun. Those aren't his exact words, but like Dave, I'm too lazy to go back two weeks to get the exact quote. Expanding the playoff is the way to add more fun, and this is how so. If you expand to an 18 playoff with five auto bids, basically the old BCS, that means that any team that gets to a Power 5 championship has a chance to get in. Okay. Now, I know that you brought up that no ACC team other than the uh, Clemson deserves to be in the championship. I contend, like the Memphis Grizzlies this year or the 10 wildcard teams to make the Super Bowl from the past, if a team wins a Power 5 championship, put them in and see what they can do. they probably lose in the first round and be out, but with it only being one game, you never know. Uh, second thought, observation. Okay, uh, so let's address that first. Um, can can I say one thing argue,
1: real quick? Sure. Like I really am so tired of talking about playoffs. Like, I am, like, I'm, I'm over very tired it. of it, too. Oh, my uh, God. If you have want no to argue, energy left.
0: Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll do a brief thing. If you want to argue that the playoff in a vacuum, an 18 playoff, would be more fun than a 14 playoff, I'm willing to hear it from like a, just a pure enjoyment and fun standpoint. Uh, the concern would be that it continues to devalue and makes the regular season even less fun. Um, because if a conference winner can make it in... Um, you know, your five and four conference teams, like those four losses don't really matter if they are able to win their division and get to the title game. Um, it just devalues, you know, the, the, it's not quite sudden death, but it devalues even more um, what was once essentially sudden death regular season. Um, so I think it makes the the regular season feel like it's less on a knife's edge. Um, so even if you would say in a vacuum, the 18 playoff will be more fun than a 14 playoff, which Obviously, it's more games. So more games is better than less games. We all agree on that. Um, it would I, the the effect it might have on the regular season and the fun of the regular season would be my worry, because look at the NBA. I mean, I think that's a great example. Uh, if you're a real NBA head, you still watch the regular season and everything. But now, I mean, it's the playoffs and they completely have, I, I think, rendered their first it shouldn't be 82 goddamn games, but also the regular season just. It sort of matters, I guess. But now you've got this play-in tournament where even if you're pretty crappy, you can make it in. Um, and the NFL has always been kind of like that, but the NBA is getting even more so. So I I don't want that for college football. I think I've made that clear. Um, but that would be the, the, the... Even in the fun argument, I think you would still say the effect it might have on the regular season might make the whole expanse of college football less fun, even if the 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 part that is the playoff is more fun, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um I just got some bad news. Oh no. I think I've been using the wrong microphone this whole time and that's why you can't hear. So I think I figured it out. I think it's mm-hmm. a webcam webcam microphone. So my my voice is probably not sounding so good on this one. And since we're almost done, we're just gonna go with it. I'll I'll figure it fix it in post, right? That's what we do, baby. Yeah. We fix it in post. So,
0: Webfoot wrote in. Wait, wait, we got we got second thought observation that I didn't oh, get to. Oh, sorry. Okay. Second thought observation. Hearing Dave talk about the glory days of UCLA and how they need to recruit better to return to them reminded me of how BYU fans used to talk about returning to the glory days of winning a national championship. This question goes out to that one listener who keeps trying to justify adding BYU to the Pac-12. When do you know that a program is just in a slump and can rebound, like Alabama and Notre Dame, or that the team's glory days are gone, Tennessee, Miami? Thanks for the time, Brad, in Portland. I think that's actually pretty easy. Uh, If they have a recruiting base, they're just in a slump and can rebound. If they don't, Tennessee, you're done. Nebraska, you're done. You're done forever. Sorry. Uh, But Miami, you're going to be fine. Long run, you're going to be totally fine. Alabama, Notre Dame, you're going to be fine. Uh, Notre Dame, but probably going to be fine. The, The brand is too big. But Nebraska, you're done. Tennessee is done. They're done forever.
1: Yeah. I'd agree with you there. Uh, let's see. Jay Toya. Hello, champions. I want to hear Ryan's take on the Jay Toya transfer. But first, a joke. Why couldn't Justin Herbert listen to any music during his rookie year in the NFL? He just kept breaking all the records. That, that, Ooh, that, that is... joke. Love it. Uh, yeah. Without the way, Ryan, any insight on why Toya left? He stayed committed for two and a half years and rolls and er- rolls early, has a good spring but then enters the portal three months after enrolling. I've heard bitter fans say that he's, quote, soft and can't handle USC football, but I've also heard conflicts with the coaches, with the coach and accusations of tampering for both the Bruins and the Huskies. I assume all of that is just Twitter nonsense. So I'm wondering if you know the real story. Thanks, as always, Webfoot. Uh, I would say read the War Room, Jay. We will put some uh, good information in there for you. Not suitable for the podcast.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Smoking gun. There you it go. Jay Toy, it was Jay Toy on the Glassy knoll.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. This is from Frank in Sacramento, Varsity Blues Review. Ryan, I heard your review of Varsity Blues movie on the other podcast. The funniest thing is that USC bought, brought in its most selective and best freshman class in history this year in spite of that scandal and all the others. It doesn't really seem to matter in the end. The head of the medical school, Carmen Puliafito, is exposed exposed using drugs and running with hookers. The campus gynecologist George Tyndall is arrested for assaulting young women for 30 years. The assistant athletic director and water polo coaches are accused of taking bribes. As you said, it's all about the prestige of going to USC. The kids and their parents want to go to the hot school. The fact that super rich people and movie star moms actually went to jail to get their kids into USC only made it hotter. What a tremendous uh, USC attitude there.
1: Love it. Frank (laughs) in Sacramento. So part of the documentary, they talked about it was what's the U.S. U.S. news and world report started ranking colleges in the eighties, apparently. And from what they said in the documentary, it wasn't about like endowments or enrollments or research or what it was only about prestige. Like that's all it was. And then they were like the French word for prestige. I forget what it was. It's something about being deceptive. I, I forget exactly, but, um, I, the problem is, yeah, like this, I don't think the scandal hurt your prestige. If they're like, wow, these people are willing to go to jail over like trying to get into your school and you're mentioned like UCLA was involved, Stanford was involved, Duke was involved, Georgetown was involved, like Har- I think Harvard, um, yeah, like that doesn't hurt your prestige. So I, I didn't realize it was a more selective year for USC, but um I don't think it hurt them as far as like people don't want to go there anymore. If anything, uh, you know it 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 puts you in a category you might not have been in otherwise. Like you know you're with all these other schools. You're with Stanford. You're with Harvard. Like that's crazy, right? Only good news. All, all the, well, I I mean yeah, like if you're like if Arizona State was involved, like that would probably a boost, right? Like I don't know. I mean, it just seems like. Hey, it's a big deal to go to ASU. Uh, people are like celebrities. Yeah, with their I, mean, I guess that makes sense for these lesser schools that
0: need the boost, uh, like USC. You know, need <laughs> that admissions boost. Um, I don't know if it would have a meaningful impact on you know the most selective institutions in the country, like UCLA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see how it could be a, an important boost for
1: for you know a regional school like USC. They, they talk. Unfortunately, they talk about it like that. Like not like that um, how selective it is each and every year. And the whole point of being selective is to add to your prestige. So schools can, they'll, they'll, they want to turn away a lot of people just so it adds that prestige level. Like if you're playing a a role-playing game or whatever, like your prestige score, you want it to be higher. So admit less students and, uh, your prestige score goes up.
0: Yeah. 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 So not like USC for most
1: of its, uh, History. (laughs) uh, I'm sorry, David, but things have changed. Um, I know know they've gotten better at manipulating
0: U.S. News and World Report rankings, but um, yeah. Apparently they have. Yeah. Uh,
1: All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up. I really hope my voice sounds okay. uh, My apologies that I just figured out the wrong microphone was on. Uh, Technology is a fun, fun thing. Do I sound different to you, David? Did I sound different?
0: you sound beautiful. You sound crystal clear. You sound uh, like you just
1: soak your soak your throat in whiskey. You sound magical. Part of it is I'm sick too, so I don't know. Um, all right, well I'll I'll play with this afterwards because you know that's not David's realm. But that's good stuff. Uh, we'll wrap things up. Thank you all for all the questions. I am Ryan Abraham. That is David Woods. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time
0: the baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network